I'm Maria Ramsey. And I'm Anna Barnard, and you're listening to Never Wear Boring Socks. Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us this week for our fourth episode of Never Wear Boring Socks. This week, we're going to talk about mindfulness, which is a concept that's impo- important in both of our lives. So, Anna, what yes. socks are you wearing today? I am wearing some teal socks. They have stars all over them. Um, the reason I picked these socks, it's not really related to their, uh, visual appearance at all, but I found one of the socks in one drawer and the other sock in a different drawer. And I just feel (laughs) like that represents my life a lot right now. (laughs) One of them has a hole in them, but like I found them both and they're lovely socks. So take uh what you will from that but i'm a little frazzled prepping for college i'm leaving in like four days but you know it's all gonna work out in the end so that's why i chose those socks today (laughs) i like it (laughs) yeah very nice so maria what socks are you wearing i am wearing socks that are black and gray striped and i chose these socks because I feel like my life right now is is not necessarily that my life is organized right now, but all the tasks that I have to do right now have to do with organization. I feel like I have all this paperwork to fill out and scheduling to do and like things, details to iron out before the school year starts. Uh, lots of emails and coordinating. So... I feel like these socks look sort of orderly and organized, which kind of goes with my theme of organizing, scheduling, that sort of thing. And I also like that these socks have this kind of funky little purple border around the top. So in addition to being orderly and striped, they also have this kind of reminder to, to like kind of have fun with my orderliness and organizational it doesn't all have to be so serious it can have some i like your sock choice purple parts yeah (laughs) okay so what are we talking about today anna we're gonna talk about mindfulness uh which is an important topic but also a somewhat elusive topic And I feel like before we should start, we should kind of just go over what it is and also how it's different from PMA, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, because I think people associate uh, mindset and mindfulness with each other, but they are different. So Maria, would you like to kind of go into that a little bit? Sure. So I thought about this a little bit. Um before this episode kind of what I thought the difference was and it was kind of hard actually for me to come up with a concrete answer to this question because they are definitely very similar but what I kind of landed on is that mindfulness I think is kind of a part of PMA for anyone who didn't listen to our second episode that's positive mental attitude I think that mindfulness is kind of a step in achieving a positive mental attitude. I think being mindful of your situation, of your surroundings, helps you to make a choice about how you want to perceive it. Yeah, definitely. I think so. Yeah, and going into defining mindfulness. This is a definition that I found on mindfulness.org, which is a site all about B 
being mindful and achieving mindfulness and it says mindfulness is the basic human ability to be fully present aware of where we are and what we're doing and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us so pma is kind of taking what you've got putting a positive spin on it in order to benefit you more and i think mindfulness is more a state of being where you can reflect on what's going on around you. It's not necessarily an attitude. It's more of a space to take things in in order to kind of make more sense of your life, maybe. Yeah, I like that distinction. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I also, one other thing that I was kind of thinking about is I think of mindfulness as really, like you said, it's a state of being, And I think you can stop there. I think you can just say that mindfulness is the state of being and not necessarily anything else. You're just being. Whereas I think PMA is more of an active process of reframing a situation or putting something in perspective. That, like I said before, I think it kind of starts with mindfulness, with that head space that then you you use that to create an attitude yeah definitely so with both of them you're using your mind in a certain way but they're in very different ways so that's why we wanted to devote an entire episode to this different kind of exercise or practice and i'm looking forward to talking about this because i the one point of mindfulness is the idea of not overanalyzing or overreacting to what's happening to you. It's more being observant in your own life experiences. And I am kind of the definition of an overanalytic person, I would say. I feel Same. like I'm always, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm always <laughs> worrying about things, analyzing things, uh, making uh making things out to be more than they are and getting in my own head. And mindfulness is all about taking a step back and just experiencing what you're doing so you can reflect. And so I feel like mindfulness is a really important thing, but it it's really, even though we can define it so easily, it's really tough. I, I'm having this discussion with you not because I want to share my wisdom on mindfulness, but more because I want to learn more about it and how to practice it Mm -hmm. because I don't consider myself to be very good at practicing it at all. So I'm looking forward to this discussion a lot. Yeah, it's hard. I feel like I have moments where I'm being very mindful and then moments where I totally forget. And I'm, like you said, like totally caught up in my thoughts and worrying and all sorts of things that are not relevant to my present experience. So I definitely go in and out of mindfulness all the time. Yeah, for sure. And if you're still confused about mindfulness, I would go back to the idea of being present. If you're ever told to be present or live in the present moment, that's basically what mindfulness is. And sometimes it can be really, really hard. I mean, people always tell you, be present, but how do you do that and so that's kind of what we want to try to investigate today yeah well I think even right there in saying being present you're I mean that implies not focusing on the past or the future if you're focusing on the present and I think that's a big part of mindfulness is that you're not like rather than worrying about something in the future or ruminating on something in the past or thinking about some possible thing that has not happened you're in the present and I think that's what what being present really means yeah I really love that how you said that I mean I feel like when you put it that way it sounds so obvious being in the present (laughs) is not being in the past or the future but I've never really thought about it that way actually and that I think that helps a lot to put that into my brain in a way that makes sense 
Oh, so, good. You're yeah, welcome. Thank you. We are already <laughs> getting somewhere with this episode. Excellent. Excellent. So when I try to think of some experiences in my life where I have intentionally tried to practice mindfulness or where it's worked, um, the things that come to my mind the most are experiences with eating because Mm -hmm. I'm a really fast eater and oftentimes because I I love food guys food is wonderful I eat so much food and a lot of times I get very excited about eating food and I eat really fast and then I overeat and then I don't feel really well after I eat so my lovely mother who like we've I think we've discussed about this before my mom's an integrative medicine doctor and she's always telling me to eat mindfully and I don't think either of us are very good at it necessarily, but we always tell each other to eat mindfully. We'll be at the dinner table and we'll be shuffling down food and we'll be like, eat mindfully. <laughs> and we don't really talk about what that means. We've been getting a little better at it, though. It'll be like, put your fork down after you take a bite of food. You can't take another bite of food until you put your fork down. So things like that, being aware of what you're eating, what it tastes like, where did your food come from? Uh, being grateful for who prepared it, that sort of thing, it it kind of helps you to center into the situation that you're in and think about what you're doing right now. And so that's where it's come up most in my life, I would say, in a concrete manner. Are there any Mm -hmm. situations that come to mind for you where mindfulness has been a part of your life? Well, first, I just want to say I like how you and your mom are encouraging each other on that. (laughs) Clipping each other out there. That's definitely an area in which I've also thought about mindfulness is eating. Um, And I feel like I come at it from maybe a slightly different angle because I'm a very slow eater. You probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) You used to get really bored while I was eating when you were little and maybe less patient. (laughs) This is, yeah, this is one of the things that we are very different. In, I would say like I am a super yes. fast eater and you're a very slow eater I I I mean at this point in my life even though I used to be impatient with you I am now jealous of you so <laughs> yeah, these things can change, change. <laughs> yeah but the thing is even though I'm a really slow eater it's still hard for me to eat mindfully a lot of the time because I feel like since I'm eating so slow I get bored while I'm eating more easily and I tend to start looking for distractions while I'm eating because like I've been eating this for so long and like I'm just spending so much time eating and I want to think about something else but I've been really trying to not distract myself like not read while I'm eating not think too much well that's really (laughs) I'm not trying not to think at all but yeah. Well, that's yeah. so interesting because I've never really had that problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, I, I I suppose I experienced something similar this weekend, I would say. Every morning when I eat my breakfast, I do the crossword puzzle. And I don't know if that helps me to eat slower, but it definitely occupies me while I eat because when I'm eating breakfast I'm not usually talking to other people but when I'm eating like lunch or dinner I'm usually eating with people so I feel like that occupies Mm -hmm. me but when I'm eating breakfast I'm usually alone so I find things to do with myself um but I was at my family's cabin this weekend and it's uh way up north in Minnesota and we don't have cell service there and we don't get newspapers delivered to us there so I didn't have any crossword puzzles to do and I found myself being very bored when I was eating breakfast and trying to eat super mm-hmm. quickly so I could go and do something else <laughs> yeah. and so I, I guess I can kind of empathize with your statement there and the fact that if you're eating alone and you're eating really slowly and that's what you're doing for a prolonged period of time it can get really boring and you cannot focus on what yeah. you're eating well, it's interesting because I used to have to be reading something when I was eating by myself. Like, I went through all of the Calvin and Hobbes cartoon books <laughs> so many times. 
because I would just read them while I was eating breakfast every single day. That's funny. <laughs> but now I find that, like, I, I have the urge to read something or do something while I'm eating, but when I do, I like very noticeably don't enjoy my food as much and I feel weirdly distracted and scatterbrained, which it doesn't seem like it should take that much of your attention to eat, but it kind of does. Yeah. I Yeah, I mean, I, whenever I eat, I think I eat quickly because I there's food sitting in front of me that I really love and so I just want to keep eating it and so that's why I eat fast. But mm-hmm. if I eat mindfully, then you can take in the flavor of your food more and enjoy it for a longer period of time. So, again, that's where mindfulness comes in, in giving you a lot of return benefits, even if it's kind of yeah. annoying at the moment. Yeah. Well, I think it enhances my satisfaction in the end. Like, I'm more satisfied with the meal that I just ate if I was really experiencing it fully. Oh, definitely. If I was only half paying attention, then I... Like, I kind of want more food because I don't really feel satisfied, even though, like, maybe I don't actually want more food. Oh, yeah. For sure. So. And also, I've I've listened and, like, read a lot of stuff about how your digestion just works better if you're relaxed while you're eating. So I think not trying to do too many things and not trying to go too fast definitely helps put you in that relaxed state where you're more easily able to digest your food. For sure. Yeah. So mindfulness can reach into very seemingly insignificant parts of your life, like eating a meal. But are there other situations that remind you of using mindfulness, Maria? Well, mindfulness... It makes me think of art projects and creativity, and I know this was a topic that we definitely wanted to hit today, since this is something that is very important to both of us. And I feel like when I'm working on a creative project that I'm really interested in, I'm much more likely to be mindful, to really be present with what I'm doing and not thinking about other things I find it's really easy to get into sort of a what they call a flow state where you are just really into what you're doing and not thinking about other things so much so drawing for me does that writing uh other creative projects but mostly drawing and writing is what I do yeah For sure. I experienced that last evening when we were at our cabin. I I identify as a writer, and since I was a little kid, I've written, I've typed up random stories on our family's computer, and I really want to get more into creative writing as I go into college. Um, I've been spending some time on it with a friend recently in the past couple years, but I haven't really had time in high school to really sit down and write. At least I haven't prioritized that in my life. And so I'm really out of habit of doing it. But last night I sat down and wrote a good 10, 15 pages of a story that I just thought of over the weekend. And it came to me very easily when I was doing it, which hadn't happened to me in a really long time. But I was Mm -hmm. definitely just focusing on that. And so that's the kind of flow state that you were talking about. And it felt really nice. And it was really lovely and I could actually get something done because I was just focusing on the task at hand and I was really um, invested in what I was doing. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah, it was it was really nice. It had been a while. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I definitely got out of practice of kind of working on my creative arts for a while during high school and during college as well and in like since college I've I've really gotten back into drawing which I always did as a kid but I kind of neglected it for a while and I just find when I'm drawing I just get so into it and to me that always just seems like a sign that I should be doing it like this is it's 
a positive experience for me. I should keep doing it. Right. I mean, it's, um, yeah. I it's, get a lot out of it. Yeah, it's reinforcing the fact that you should do it. Just by giving you that that fully focused feeling. It's like encouraging yeah. you like, to keep doing it. Yeah. And like you said, it just feels really good to have only been focusing on that one thing for a while. And the other great thing about creative projects and mindfulness is that when you are mindful and you're focusing on this one thing for a long time, you have this product afterwards. Yeah. That you just created, <laughs> that you just made, and it's really rewarding because not only it wasn't rewarding just because you were focusing on something and you could be in that place for a sustained period of time, but you also made something out of it and created something just because your mind was in a good place, which is a really exciting feeling. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. Are there any other parts of your life, Anna, where you feel like mindfulness comes more easily to you besides creating oh that's a good question um i sometimes i do yoga once in a while which i know a lot of people get really into and a big part of yoga is being in the moment that you're in and a big part of it too is breathing they always emphasize the importance of noticing your breath and that's part of meditation, which really goes into mindfulness, which we're going to talk about. Um, but because the whole thing of focusing on your breath, why that's important to mindfulness is that if you can zone in on that one thing, like your breath is happening right now. That is something that you're doing in this present moment. It's keeping you going. It's sustaining you in a very literal sense. And so if you can focus on your breath... And that's where your mind is. It's very relaxing. It's reminding you of the place where you're at. It keeps you a little bit grounded. And so I feel like mindfulness is something I really associate with yoga. However, with yoga, I'm not very experienced at it. And sometimes I'll be preoccupied because I'm trying to focus on my breathing, but I'm also trying to focus on the poses that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But I really like the idea of yoga in that it's this very open kind of exercise and everyone's just to kind of supposed to go at their own pace and do what they can. And the biggest goal is to relax and focus on what your body is doing rather than anyone else's or what you ate for breakfast that day or what's going to happen later in the day. It's what you're doing right now. So that's another thing that reminds me of mindfulness, I would say. Yeah, that reminds me of my experience dancing. I feel like physical activity a lot of the time is a good uh, way to get into a more mindful state for me one I think dancing does that just because I think it's really fun so I it's kind of the same thing with making art I'm just really enjoying myself but then also it's I have to I'm focusing on the physical sensations in my body while I'm dancing and how I'm moving it and how it's feeling and I think that focus on physical sensations really helps me get into a mindful state, whether I'm dancing or walking outside or in some other experience where I feel like my senses are really engaged. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that with running, too. I've been a runner for a long time. I did cross country in high school and... I feel like running is kind of a state of like pseudo mindfulness or like forced mindfulness, which sounds really gross when I when I put it that way. But let me explain my point. Um, whenever I'm running outside, I don't listen to anything. So I'm not using earbuds when I run outside just because it's like a safety thing for me. But if you're running outside and it's just you and you're not running with anyone else... Like, you have to be alone with your thoughts for however long you're running. I mean, it's just a situation where that's that's what's happening. That's what you have to do. And 
sometimes I'll get kind of bored on my run and I'll think, oh, I could be doing this other thing right now. But the thing is, you can't do that other thing right now because you're so far away from home and you have to run back (laughs) and you're running. (laughs) So that's, I guess that's like my choice of the word forced mindfulness is that you have to be with yourself in this place and you have to be doing what you're doing because you have to get back to where you want to go. Um, and some days are better than others with mindfulness and running. Some days you feel really focused and enjoying the run and you're just looking around and appreciating nature. Other days I feel really distracted when I'm running, but even despite that, I feel like you still get some of the effects of mindfulness because again, you're sifting through your thoughts and you're doing this activity where that's just what you're doing. You're running and you're thinking and you're just by yourself and you get to see what's going on outside. And so I think that's another place where exercise comes in and with mindfulness. Yeah. That actually, that kind of reminded me of meditation when you were talking about that, like more of a sitting meditation, because I feel like, what you were talking about, how some days you feel really focused and you're enjoying the scenery or whatever you're running near, and sometimes you do get kind of caught up in your thoughts, but it still can be a mindful exercise, even if you're getting caught up in your thoughts. And my experience of meditation and what a lot of meditation teachers teach, I think, is that like you're not trying to get rid of your thoughts or be free of thoughts and feelings when you're meditating. It's really just about being with your thoughts and being aware of them. Yeah. So I I think that's kind of what you were talking about in terms of running and your kind of different experiences on different days. Because sometimes when I'm meditating, I'll feel like really peaceful and calm and really engaged with my senses and then some days I'll be super distracted and thinking about a ton of things and then kind of with moments of being aware of that of having that awareness that I'm getting distracted I think that awareness of being distracted is also a form of mindfulness yeah, I'm so glad you made that connection because I didn't think of that when I was talking about running, but I can see that really clearly now. Um, when I have ever done, I whenever I do meditation, I do guided meditation. Um, and some days it'll be going really well and I'll be able to focus really well. And other days, sometimes I'll even fall asleep when I'm doing it <laughs> because I'm I'm just not really in the space where I'm supposed to be but when I'm listening to my guided meditations uh the person who's who's recording I'm listening to always says there'll be moments of silence and then they'll say if your mind has wandered just gently bring it back but they don't say, shame on you, your mind wandered, or you shouldn't be having your mind wandering or anything. It's just bring it back, notice that it wandered, that's totally fine, get back to a place where you can be right now. And some days are more successful than others, but even if I do have a meditation session where I fall asleep, I still feel some sense of reflection and created space afterwards even if it wasn't as focused as I wanted it to be because I intentionally took that moment for myself to reflect and be mindful and I think that's kind of what running does too is that you're choosing to go out and go for a run even if it's not going to be as wonderful as yesterday's was or whatever yeah I agree and you you talked about noticing a little I feel like a lot of it is really just about noticing. I think that's a big part of meditation and a big part of mindfulness in general. Just noticing without judgment, without having to react right away, but just noticing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without judgment is a really important part of that. And I th- I like the term to observing, looking at things and not making analyses of them, but just observing what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, Maria, are there any situations in your life where you find it easier or harder to practice mindfulness and why you think that might be for those situations? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, Well, we've talked about some of these things a little bit, I think. Like I said, it's... I find it challenging when I'm eating because I get bored sometimes. (laughs) So I think it's hard anytime where I'm feeling sort of bored by something or preoccupied with something like we've been talking about. And I think times when it's easiest... Like I said, making art, doing creative projects, it's really easy for me to be mindful. And dancing or doing physical things where I really feel in touch with my body and the world around me in a physical sense. And related to that, just like any time where I feel... When I feel a lot of sensory experiences... Like, for example, I feel like I had a pretty mindful moment the other day. I had just spent time with some friends. I had, like, had a really purposeful, meaningful conversations with them, got to see people that I cared about, and then I was outside in this really beautiful space outside, and I was listening to music that I felt like really encapsulated my feelings at the time and I feel like all of those sensory experiences together like the the visual natural beauty that was surrounding me plus the music plus the feeling of just having connected with other humans it made me feel very present in that moment because of all those sensory experiences yeah definitely that's really interesting I think connecting to your senses is a huge part of mindfulness. So that's, I can definitely relate to what you're saying there. Something Mm. for me that I think um, makes, or uh, I would say, what kind of hinges on whether mindfulness is going to be easier or more difficult for you in a particular moment is kind of where your mindset is at. And this is kind of where PMA comes into mindfulness is that if you are in a better place in your head, I think it's much easier to practice mindfulness because mindfulness is such an intensely personal experience. You're really having to be in a close relationship. Excuse me. You have to really be in a close relationship (laughs) with yourself and think about what's going on around you and think, how am I feeling right now? What's happening? And if you don't want to recognize or interact with the thoughts that you're having, if you're in a negative place or something unfortunate happened to you or you're frustrated with something, then it's really, really difficult to get into a place of mindfulness. So apart from your physical experiences that affect how easy it is to practice mindfulness, I think your attitude and uh, the effect of the physical experiences on your mindset also impacts how you can practice mindfulness too, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. That also, that makes me think of the idea of self-talk, which we were talking about in our episode two on PMA. Do you think that, like, what is, what do you think is the relationship between mindfulness and self-talk? How have you experienced that? Well, I think self-talk is so interesting because I think we're always doing self-talk, but I think mindfulness is when you're aware of your self-talk, which seems Mm. kind of odd. But I feel like there's always thoughts going on in our head. We're always making split observations and noticing everything around us. I mean, we're smelling things, we're seeing things. Like you said, sensory is... sensory. Uh, perceptions are really important in mindfulness. Um, But when you're actually making the connection and recognizing what sensory information is going into your brain and really identifying it 
and saying, this is what's happening to me right now. This is how I feel. Hmm, this is interesting. I just saw this or I just did this. That's when mindfulness comes in because you're so intensely aware of what's happening. So I feel like when your self-talk turns more conscious or identifiable is when mindfulness heightens. I don't know if that makes any sense. Hmm. That's interesting. I was thinking about... Yeah, I think it's interesting how you're talking about sort of positive self-talk there, maybe. I feel like mindfulness helps you be aware of what you're saying to yourself. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, Part of it, it's kind of hard to explain, but I, yeah, I feel like there's moments when I'm talking to myself and I'm not really noticing what I'm saying to myself, and there's moments when I talk to myself and... I'm very clearly taking in that information and I'm listening to myself. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say mm, is when you really listen to yourself, that's when you're more mindful because I feel like you're always have random thoughts going through your head and you're always uh, giving first impressions to your brain as to what those things are. But when you really stop to listen to what things you're taking in and what you're telling yourself and really listening to your self-talk. And when your self-talk becomes intentional, that's when mindfulness happens. Yeah, I think that makes sense. (laughs) That reminds me of that line from Alice in Wonderland, where she says, I often give myself very good advice, but I very seldom follow it. (laughs) So there's like a difference between... Oh, I'm so guilty of that. (laughs) (laughs) Like talking to yourself and then actually really being aware of those things that you're saying to yourself. Because I think you're right that we're always doing it, whether we're aware of it or not. Exactly. Yeah. So mindfulness is basically saying, I'm going to stop and listen to what I have to say to myself today. And I'm just going to see what I say. Right. So not necessarily like self-talk causes mindfulness, but more how you're viewing your self-talk, I guess. Yeah. You can and how you're you interacting can, with it. Right. You can come at it from a mindful point of view, or you can not really be aware of what's going on and not come at it so mindfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's what I think about when I think of self-talk and mindfulness. But you can also use your self-talk to go to a more mindful place as well. You can say, definitely, let's take a minute to see what's going on around us. And you can direct yourself into a more mindful place. And I think that's really helpful as well. So you can also have kind of a cause and effect relationship there there too. Yeah, I've definitely done that. Like when I feel like my, I feel myself sort of spiraling into some crazy thing that's totally irrelevant but's making me really anxious about something I will sometimes talk to myself a little bit be like it's okay Maria let's look at the trees around you those are pretty yeah we don't have to worry so much about the thing that might happen next week or very well might not happen at all because that's not part of your experience right now you don't have to worry about it yeah well and I had a similar experience just last night when I was trying to fall asleep I couldn't fall asleep last night and usually I don't have that problem but last night I did and I was kind of spiraling into this state of anxiety because I couldn't fall asleep and my stomach was hurting and what's gonna happen and I can't fall asleep and I'm gonna be really tired tomorrow and I went down this little rabbit hole and then I kind of just said stop let's just go to a better place and let's be intentional about what thoughts we're putting through our brain. And I started thinking about positive experiences that I had and places that I like to go to, and then I was able to fall asleep. And I think that's another ex- uh, example of mindfulness, too. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad that worked for you. Yeah. So I think it can really help you put yourself into the moment that you're in, and and, and you can help yourself a lot with it. Yeah. Well, this... It's really making me think of the idea of presence that we were talking about earlier, being in the present moment, because I think a lot of negative self-talk stems from 
being either focused in the past or focused in some hypothetical future that you're worried about. So I think if you're aware that maybe you're telling yourself some story about the past or about the future, then you can choose to focus instead on the present moment, which can exactly. prevent those anxious spirals of negativity. Yeah, for sure. And ultimately, what I kind of want to touch on is the idea that mindfulness is all about purpose. It's all about having intention in what you're doing, which we've which we've kind of discussed. And it's all about practicing, too. Like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, or at least I talked about that I do not consider myself an experienced practicer of mindfulness. I think I have a long way to go with applying it to my life more carefully and reliably. And it's not going to happen to you all of a sudden. You're not going to suddenly wake up and be a more mindful person. You're really going to have to practice it. And that's okay. And I think accepting that is one step along the way to becoming more mindful. Definitely. I totally agree. I also wanted to ask you, we were talking about talking to yourself and your relationship with yourself. Have you noticed anything like anything in relationships with other people when you're being more mindful how does mindfulness play into relationships with other people do you think oh yeah that's a really good question um i think listening to conversations is really big with Mm -hmm. mindfulness and relationships with other people i think if you're at a family gathering and you're talking to your I don't know, your second cousin or something who you don't know that well and you haven't seen them for a long time. And you could easily get really distracted when you're talking to them and gaze off at the wall behind their head and go into a different place. And you cannot really develop a relationship with that person because you're not really listening to them. But if you really mm-hmm. zoned in on the moment and said, I appreciate this person and I'm going to take the time to listen to them and I'm going to put my brain in a place where I can be mindful of this moment and listen to what they have to say, you're going to develop such a better relationship with them than you would have otherwise if you didn't use mindfulness. Yeah, that's a good point. I also yeah, what think do you about think it about in that? terms... I have a couple things that that makes me think of. The first is also mm-hmm. related to conversations. I think... A lot of mindfulness is about mindfulness in terms of conversations and relationships is about, like you said, really listening to the other person and not just thinking about what you're going to say next. You're actually taking in the other person's side of the conversation and it's more of a two-way thing rather than like they speak and then you speak about whatever each of you wants to speak about, which is something that... I've been thinking about as we're recording this podcast even because like we have an outline of points that we want to hit. I have things that I want to say, but I also want to listen to what you're saying and respond to what you're saying because that makes, I think, a much more interesting conversation. So, yeah, oh, totally. I'm so guilty of like half listening to a conversation, but being more focused on what exciting things I have to say next and Mm -hmm. I think we all no one appreciates that yeah (laughs) right you think that you're gonna you're you think that you're gonna impress that person with what you have to say but no one appreciates the fact that they're that you're not listening to them and that's gonna come across as way more admirable exactly yeah yeah totally so that's really important with relationships yeah the other thing that I thought about in terms of relationships is I think being mindful in relationships is also about allowing another person to be who they are in that moment instead of who you maybe think they should be or who you think they are based on your past experience. I think it's about being open to the fact that they are a 
changing, evolving being that you don't necessarily know everything about, even though you might know them really well, like somebody that you've known for a long time. I think if you're being really present in the moment with them, you'll learn new things. I think they'll surprise you. And I think you have to allow yourself to be surprised by really being present in that moment rather than thinking about or getting too caught up in your preconceived notions of who you think that person is. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) That's such a (laughs) lovely point to make. And it's nice to have expectations of someone in a relationship, but you need to be flexible with your expectations because exactly like you said, people change and people might react differently than you think they will because you don't know everything about them, exactly like you said. And if you're just mindful of that person's emotions and are accepting of the fact that they could react in any number of ways instead of just the way that you want them to, then you're going to have a much more constructive and loving relationship with them. Yeah. And I think we all kind of have this idea that we are like this really dynamic, complex person, a really complicated person who has any number of responses and feelings, but we tend to sometimes see other people as more two-dimensional just because we don't experience as much of their life and thoughts and emotions. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that too. (laughs) Imagining others as complex beings is so important. I'm really guilty of not doing it and (laughs) because you're always stuck in yourself for your whole life you can't get into anyone else's point of view but you can try and so that's why empathy is so important I think empathy is a really big part of mindfulness and that's one of the values that I hold so dearly in my life is empathy I think it's just has so many benefits and Mm -hmm. if you can imagine the person across from you as equally complex as yourself uh a quote that i think my mom has told me before that she might have heard from a patient is um everyone's fighting their own battle and you don't know what battle they're fighting so just accept that they are and it's just so important i think if you walk through life being aware that the person standing next to you in line at the grocery store who you have no idea who they are is living an intensely complex life just like yourself it is going to be such a more rewarding life for you yeah i agree i think that empathy is really important and like you said we we can never really know what somebody else is experiencing and all the complexities in their life unless you have to have you happen to have some sort of freaky friday switch (laughs) thing happening but i don't think that happens very often if you do have that situation happen to you please let us know we would love to hear about it it sounds really interesting yeah we would totally interview you on the show if you turned into your mother for a day that would be super interesting that would be cool please contact us So as our call to action this week, please get in touch with us and let us know if you have any questions about mindfulness. As we acknowledged earlier, this is a really complex topic and sometimes it's really hard to define and understand. So let us know if you have any questions and please tell us if you've already practiced mindfulness and what has worked for you and any ideas that you might have going forward that would be beneficial for it. Yeah. Thanks, Anna. So, Maria, it's your turn to pick a quote this week. What quote did you pick? I picked a quote from Pema Chodron, who is a Buddhist teacher. I love and her. Nun. I do, too. I have a little <laughs> pocketbook of her quotes in my room. Ah, oh, that's lovely. So maybe you already know this one. I don't this know if I do. This might be familiar to you. But she has a lot of pearls of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So I picked this one for this week. Our true nature is like a precious jewel. Although it may be temporarily buried in mud, it remains completely brilliant and unaffected. We simply have to uncover it. And I really like this because 
I think it, I think it goes with what we were talking about, about kind of being caught up in your thoughts and anxieties. I think that's sort of the buried in mud part that's getting in the way of something more beautiful that you could be experiencing it if you never take the time to clear off the mud. I love that quote. thoughts. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I think I have learned about this a little bit that one of the main um, concepts of Buddhism is the idea that when you're born, you are born innately good and untarnished and you have mm-hmm. this this sense of goodness inside of you all the time always no matter who you are um but all the experiences that you have throughout your life will affect it and can cover it up um like mud around a jewel like that quote says but mm-hmm. that we always have access to it deep within us and everyone acts on it, that that good part of them, um, differently. And everyone kind of tries to dig the mud off that to a different extent. And that's kind of an underlying aspect of mindfulness. I think when you are trying to get down deep to that inner goodness inside of you, that is really your true nature, that's when you're being mindful and reflective about what's going on around you and trying to be intentional about living your life. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Thank you, Pema Chodron, for that lovely bit of wisdom. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. So I think that's it for today, Anna. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much to our listeners for listening to our fourth episode of Never Wear Boring Socks. And we hope that you'll tune in next week because we are interviewing a very special guest, our very first guest on the podcast, my very dear friend, Monica Hunterhart. And we're going to talk about travel and creativity and lots of other wonderful things because Monica's a fascinating person and I always have really great conversations with her. So I'm really excited for this. Yeah, I am too. To hear it too. I'm excited to meet Monica and to have a conversation with her. So it's going to be really lovely. Yes. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts about our podcast. And it really gives us a lot of insight if you would leave a review on those sites. You can find show notes for this episode along with links to anything that we talked about at mariacatherine.com and Catherine is spelled K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E mariacatherine.com slash podcast slash 004 We would absolutely love to hear from our listeners so please send us emails and voice messages to neverwearboringsocks at gmail.com follow us on Facebook and Instagram at neverwearboringsocks and on Twitter at noboringsocks And we'd like to thank our audio editor, Ben Ramsey, the cheese beast, who is currently standing outside my door, giving me a really weird look. I think he's trying to let me know that I should come downstairs and eat dinner with him. (laughs) But he's just giving me a weird look right now. So thank you to Ben uh, for doing the audio editing. And thank you to Martha Barnard, our Twitter supervisor. And they both also helped us with the music. So thank you both for that. Yeah. And an extra thank you to Martha this week, because in order to record this episode, I had to waylay her violin practicing for the hour. So it seems like (laughs) we're just tormenting our siblings while we record these episodes. So thank you for tolerating us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening this week. And please remember to never wear boring socks.